0: Thanks for joining us. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Jason in the House podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You know, you give up your time, uh, spend a little time sharing some things with us. Uh, I hope you enjoy this. I think you will, because uh, we're going to have a a good show. Got a few things to talk about. Quick uh, mention of the news. Some stupid, because there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And then we're going to get into it with uh, Doug Collins. Doug Collins, former congressman uh, from this good state of Georgia. I've seen him on Fox News. But I bet there's part of his story, his human story, his real story, his personal story, that you didn't know about Doug. And it'll make you love him and like him all the more. Uh, it's just a great human being. And uh, we're going to get him on the phone. We're going to dial him up. And we're going to have a good conversation with Doug Collins. And I, I really do think you're going to enjoy it. But uh, let's kick some things off with the news. Now, I'm fascinated about things that I know aren't true, like Bigfoot. I always think that's pretty cool. You got someone Bigfoot. I want to see it because I'm the Loch Ness Monster. I'm all over it. I love hearing about those stories. But this one... Uh, I don't know what to make of it, because there is a person from the military, a self-proclaimed whistleblower, who's going public with a claim that the the United States government has a UFO retrieval program and that they're in possession of an aircraft. Now, from everything I've heard and seen, that's not true, but... I'm fascinated to see how this whistleblower, in his experience, how he's vetted in what comes out about this background. Because you can't, I mean, that's a very specific, I don't want to say credible, but a very specific allegation that our government is holding an aircraft. And I I have a hard time believing it's true, but I'm fascinated to find out if it is true or not. Uh sec- second thing I wanted to hear about or I wanted to talk about in the news. It happened a little a little while ago, but uh the idea that live golf, for those of you that are golfers, I try to become a golfer. I wanna become a golfer. I you know, Trey Gowdy, John Ratcliffe, these are people I like to golf with. I just I wanna beat them so bad, but Quite frankly, they're much better golfers than I am. But uh, so I do like watching golf. Uh, I like playing golf. I I think it's a fascinating sport. I wish I had started earlier in my life. But uh, the idea that Live Golf, right, which was the Saudi backed golf uh, group, and there were a lot of big name players, have merged with the PGA Tour is like, whoa. So we got to look back that and then say, is golf better or worse? And I think golf is probably better. The purses are bigger. The stakes are higher. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. There was a lot of animosity between the players, and that's got to sort itself out. But, you know, it's funny how competition makes things better. It's not always appreciated or liked. But I was a little surprised to read that, whoa, wait, all of a sudden... Uh, these things are merging together. Um, wow, that's that's amazing. Um, and then the other thing in the news, I just wanted to highlight this because when he broke this record, a guy named Jim Hines, he's an Olympic gold medalist. He's the first man to run a hundred meters in under ten seconds, and he won the gold in the nineteen sixty eight Summer Olympics. He passed away at the age of 76, and just hats off, because that was an amazing thing. Think about when he broke that record. The shoes were not what they are. The socks were not what they are. The training, the stretching, uh, the nutrition, none none of that was as good as it is today. And for him to break that record and smash that barrier, uh, good for him. It really is uh, truly amazing. So... um, but let's transition now because I want to talk about highlighting the stupid. Because you know what? There's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. All right. So, as we're going to highlight the stupid, I got to point out this uh, Tennessee woman. She tries to hire a hitman to kill the wife of a man she met online. Now, may I just advise everybody this ain't going to go well. And uh, there's even websites that are set up Like Hire a Hitman And all these stupid things These are bait sites for law enforcement To go get some truly crazy people And I gotta tell you um, <laughs> This this person in Tennessee I don't want to give out our name But arrested um, In this really bizarre plot And I just gotta highlight You know what uh, Let's not be trying to kill wives and And other people by hiring hitmen, that's like you've been watching too many movies and maybe you need to get some clinical help. But that is absolutely crazy, if not downright absolutely stupid. And finally, I want to highlight this 82-year-old German man who received his quote-unquote last warning from the courts. Yeah, we'll see if that's the last warning. Um, He's been arrested for drug dealing for his 26th time. 26 times. This guy has been arrested for dealing drugs and I don't care if you're in your 80s, but uh, you know what? That's probably not a good thing and pretty stupid for you to keep doing it. You're obviously not good at it. You keep getting arrested for it. Let's not be selling drugs because you know what? That ain't a way to make a living even if you're 82 and that's the stupid. All right, so I, I really want to move on now because, again, uh, I served in the Congress with Doug Collins and I'm thrilled to call him up. So let's call Congressman Doug Collins from the great state of Georgia and let's get him on the line. Hello, Doug Collins. Hey, Jason Chaffetz. Jason, what have you been up to, bud? One of my good friends from Congress. You know, I can't say that about a lot of them, but I can about you.
1: Well, I appreciate it, my friend. It's good to hear from you. It's been a while. Uh, it, it, you're, you're one of my better ones as well. And I, I can sympathize with that feeling a little bit.
0: Well, I keep seeing you on Fox and keep hearing your voice. We chat and text, trade text messages yep. here and there. Uh, but I appreciate you joining me on this uh, Jason in the House podcast. Very kind of you.
1: No, I'm glad to. I mean, look, buddy, you've done a great job since, uh, since you know, you left a little before me. We served together a great deal. But then, I mean, with your books and you got a new book out, I mean, my goodness. I mean, I I wrote one book. I'm not sure how you're pumping these things out. Let me let me know. I think it's your beautiful bride. Is that really where we're at?
0: <laughs> well, I owe all good things to my wife, Julie. Yes. And um, look, I, it really is, a, you know, one of the fun things about going to Congress is the the people you get to meet and, And the families and and you and your family, beautiful family, just uh, wonderful and doing it for all the right reasons. You know, I I think there's some people that get into the gig and and um, maybe it's for the power. Maybe it's because they're they don't have anything else to do. Um, Maybe. But a lot of people actually want to move the meter. They're patriotic. They care about the country and they want to implement good policy. And you were definitely one of those people.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's unfortunate, Jason. I think sometimes we you saw it while you were there and I saw it while I was there. And I see it now in the last couple of years, especially with different eyes. I think I'm sure you maybe had this experience about 18 months or so, two years after you realize that not everything you say is going to be taken by a comms team and, you know, <laughs> said, oh, how could you say that as a member of Congress? And so you can just be honest. And and really, I think we've divorced reality in politics. And I think until this country, both Republicans, Democrats, everybody else in between gets back to the the fact that politics is reality. You can't divorce the two to get some magic outcome in politics that you wouldn't get in reality. We, we've we got some bumpy road ahead of us.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because the body really is a cross section of America. And um, it, it's interesting there because you do want to have a difference of opinions and experiences and and perspectives. But the lack of debating actual real bills and appropriations, that's just kind of Unfortunately, the process while I was there just was never like that
1: right oh well, and it, and after you left, it got progressively uh, worse under the Democrats then for four years, it was uh terrible, and now you know you're having to overcome that. I know the Republicans are doing you know as good a job as they could be expected to do right now with as, as you were there when we, I was as well when we had one leg of the three right and you just got to be realistic of what you're getting, and, and again, still fighting over things like the debt ceiling, which is important. But realizing, as you well do, know that the appropriations, until you actually spend less than you bring in, the debt is irrelevant. You just can't keep you got to keep raising it because it's it's irrelevant.
0: Yeah, I love how they keep talking about. Well, we've reduced the deficit. I'm like, <laughs> tell me when it balances, brother. Tell me when it balances. Yeah.
1: All right, way but, is awful, that one. <laughs> all right.
0: But Doug, I, before we kind of talk a little bit more philosophically about Congress and all that, I really, part of what I try to do is, you know, podcasts are nice because it's a format and a formula to talk about the people that are behind it. And so I right. think people have seen you for years, you know, from the Judiciary Committee, Congress, being the chair, all that sort of stuff, uh, being on Fox and whatnot. But I want to go back to how you and I kind of came to know each other. So let's go back to little Doug Collins was born in and then let's walk me through that.
1: Through the Stone Ages, yeah. Back, you know, <laughs> as a tr- as a true Gen Xer, yeah, one of those who who run outside, drank from the water. I was, no, I was. It's actually pretty wild, Jason. I was born here in Gainesville, Georgia, which is where I live. It's where uh, I've went all over the world, literally, but always have come back here to this little peninsula in Lake Lanier. And my dad was a state trooper. Um, my mom worked uh, a little bit with senior care centers when I was. Uh, uh, she worked for the an agency that helped with this, what we call Meals on Wheels days. Yeah, senior yeah. care center. Yeah. So I got to know that. And and I came up and got married. I've been, been married 35 years. Come wait, June. wait, slow
0: down there, Doug. Let's, let's, yeah. let's get you go. You blew through your childhood like way too fast.
1: Brothers, <laughs> sisters, what were you doing? Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, it's, it's sort of funny you should mention that because my brother and I are five years apart. I'm the eldest, and he's we're five years apart. I, of course, with everything that I've been doing, has been out front. You know, you know, even though I think a lot of us who are out in the media and out in you know public places, we like to be by ourselves a lot. Well, my brother teaches school, and we're completely opposite. If, uh, if you were to see us, uh, <laughs> he has no desire to be in and in, in anywhere. Um, very quiet life. So I have one brother, and um, but we live sort of by ourselves. It's interesting. I appreciate you asking the question. My dad moved away from his family. He had to because back then the Georgia State Patrol didn't let State troopers work in the post or the areas where they grew up. Oh, no. So they moved him like 80 miles away, almost, yeah, about 80, 85 miles away up here to Gainesville. And thus, my, you know, my brother and I were born up here. So we, we knew our cousins and we had, uh, you know, a lot of, but for the most part, we weren't raised near family. So uh, it made our little family close. My mom has passed away now. Um, My dad is still with me. But um, it, it raised us differently. We, we, we depended on each other. And I think that nucleus of the family was, was very important to a lot of my upbringing as I went forward. You're
0: listening to Jason in the House. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Congressman Doug Collins right after this
1: from the fox news
0: podcasts network stay on top of the latest news and information from fox news listen and download the fox news hourly update on your time the
1: trending stories you need anytime you want
0: it listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com so were you playing sports were you you know shooting crawdads what were you doing were you fishing What, what was going on
1: well, you know, now I can look back on high school, and I was the MVP of every team. I made all the points. <laughs> yeah, right. The older you get, the better you were. It's my story. Yeah. I'm telling it. No, yeah. I played basketball, baseball, just like every kid. And, and the neat thing about it is, and, and, and one day I might have this opportunity, to, and I hope to, to, have, to see my grandkids, uh, and I've got three kids. We'll talk about them later. But um, I'm in the same neighborhood where I grew up. And to see them out playing in the front yard like we used to do, right. um, it was you knew the season. This is what amazes me today about kids. You could tell the season in my neighborhood by what ball we had in our front yard, <laughs> and if it was football season, football, basketball, baseball, and and if it snowed down here in North Georgia, which we do get some snow. I mean, the football had to come out because it was Green Bay. I mean, we were we thought we were on the frozen tundra. Yeah, you and,
0: you, you, uh, y'all, you know, being from Utah, I, I can just tell you, I think that's cute that y'all think you had snow. <laughs> that's just, just precious, that's just cute. You, know,
1: you know, we we average about you probably had
0: skiing two. and snowboarding too, right?
1: <laughs> no, we just took an old uh, an old flat dish pan and rolled down the hill. There,
0: well, okay. That, that I buy. That's realistic. All right. I
1: can do it. I mean, we, oh, look, I mean, a big snow for us is six inches. Most about everybody's it, a good dusting we get for the most part. Yeah. So. Alta,
0: which was in my congressional district this year, yeah. had more than yeah. 900 inches of snow. Just, just to I give you a little that perspective. Year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I was looking at that this year because uh, I had a chance to go out to Park City and, and up into that sky and ride up in there last year, and I was just thinking about because they kept talking about three and four hundred, five hundred inches of snow. I was like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay.
0: Right, um, so I deviated a little bit, but let's let's get back to the the rough yeah. snow of Georgia. Um, and it
1: yeah, is rough stuff. Yeah, but there's, you're there's right. I mean,
0: weird. that's the fun, right? You go out till you're cold. You go out till you're hungry. You go out till it gets dark. Yeah. And you're tethered to some electronic machine, and you you got to be friends and have the creativity and. Oh yeah. Oh so yeah. when you're going right. into high school,
1: are you playing yep. sports at that point? I am. I am. I play basketball all the way through high Cause school because you are tall. Played yeah. Play baseball. Uh, left football in in uh, I was uh, in in junior high. I didn't play any more football after junior high and played but played baseball basketball. Uh, growing up, and then it was out in the, you know, out in the woods. I, I read somewhere the other day that, you know, they talked about because you and I are very similar generations. That, it, you know, that Gen X generation, you know, those us born and you know raised in the seventies, eighties kind of time frame, you know, if we got at least one or two scars on us that have a story attached to them, and and I am definitely one of those. I got a scar on the back of my knee where we were out hunting um, with our BB guns down on the farm, and. I messed up and I was, hop, I was going under a fence and let the gun go and it <laughs> hit back of my leg and oh my the BB gosh. grazed down my leg. I never told my mom and dad. Uh, I covered it up, didn't let them see it because if I had done it, my daddy would have got all over me about how to handle that BB gun. Oh, uh, yeah. I, was, I think I was like 10 at the time. But again, and and those are the kind of things that we did. So I grew up hunting, you know, doing those kind of things uh, and listening to music and books. And that was my outlet. That was because my dad worked a lot because he being in state patrol, we didn't get regular holidays. So he was always working when everybody else was on holiday. So the music, the radio and books became my outlet.
0: Oh, that's good. So but you then so as you turned the corner in high school, because I know you served in the military, Tell us yeah. about some of the big life decisions you made because, you know, somewhere along the way, right? You get married, you oh, yeah. go to college, you you join the military. Explain all that to us.
1: <laughs> well, it's like a. For, from one thing, we do have a similarity, not as big as beautiful as some of the mountains in Utah, I'll grant you that. But we got a lot of old mountain, rindy roads up here in North Georgia, where the foothills, of Appalachian, the Appalachian Trail starts down here where I live. And my story's like that. Uh I went to college, met Lisa, my bride, while I was in college. She had went she's a little bit older. She had just finished college at Georgia Southern. And I was up at North Georgia. We met, um, at that time I thought I was gonna go to, straight to law school. Wait and, a second. Wait a
0: second. Where yeah. did you meet?
1: We met at church,
0: actually. Oh, how sweet is that.
1: Yep. Yeah. We made sure – okay, now she loves to – because if she listens to this podcast, which she will, i have to tell the story. And she tells her – she came in July to our, one of our Sunday school classes. And I met her, talked to her for a little bit. And then, as she says, I didn't call her for two months, which is – okay, not what actually happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, but she'll get her turn. We'll get to interview oh, her. Yes, she we'll, she she'll get but, the you know, final word. yeah, go ahead. And then, and she came back and – um we met each other again, and i would say, but we talked again, and we went out with the Sunday school class, and then I, we went out on a date, and we had just started really getting to know each other, and she was scheduled to fly to Dallas to take a job uh, with American Airlines for a flight attendant, and this, we went out on Sunday night after uh, church. She was supposed to get on the plane uh, Monday morning. Um, I went on to school because I was finishing up at North Georgia. I went up to school that morning. And uh, back then, of course, no cell phones. I was stopped at a pay phone and called her, and she said, I'm not going. Wow. And, you know, the rest is sort of history as far as that goes. She stayed in Gainesville. We got married about a year later, year and a half later. And that's I, great. I, like I said, we thought, yeah. So
0: it's All pretty cool. Well, uh, it's a little better than my story because when I first met my wife a couple of times, uh, <laughs> She says she doesn't even remember. So you could have you could have that going on. So uh your story's a little a little more complimentary to you than it is to anyway, my story. All right. So you start dating, you get married. Now move forward.
1: Now we're both out of college. You know, both out of college. She's starting, you know, sort of career. Um, I thought we thought I was going to law school. So we got married in June. I was thinking I was going to law school in August. And it happened to be around the time if most people remember back. Remember the show Jason, LA Law? Yeah. Law definitely, school, definitely. I mean, law school applications went out the roof. I mean, yeah, you had right. doctors, you know, going. <laughs> so I didn't get in where I wanted to go or anywhere close. So I said, well, that didn't work. So I was going to be in business. We, she, I went to work with a company and we sort of stumbled around, but there was something special there that, that I want to bring out here because there was, I had always had the feeling, as much as I was in, loved political life, because I did campaigns and stuff back then, I was always involved in, in, in law and that's where I thought it was going to go. But the, God had a call on my heart. And, and it was something I had, I said, well, I'll be in church, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Um, but I'm just, you know, not going to be a preacher, so to speak, you know, it's Southern lingo down here. And, and Lisa and I got married. We were working, we did business. We were, you know, we did all the normal, you know, young couple mistakes, buying a trailer, doing all kinds of stuff. (laughs) And um, then one Sunday night, uh, we were back at home, my home church. This is an early nineties. And, um, They we had a singing for some reason, and which was normally not really what we had. We had a great group come in and sing. And then that night my pastor got up and he said, I don't know why I'm saying this. He said, but somebody in here is just, you know, you're struggling with something that you know you shouldn't be struggling with. And Jason, I knew at that moment he was speaking to me and he wasn't. And Joe was a good friend. My pastor was a good friend, but he didn't even realize I was there. And it was just me. And that night I said, you know, this is what I need to be doing. And, um, I answered the call to a ministry. I started seminary. Uh, went to. We went to uh, a church across town to be a youth pastor while I was getting my master's. And then, probably one of the pivotal events of my our lives occurred. Up, you know, and I think even to this day, but for the, really at that moment, um, we found out we were pregnant with our first uh, child. Mm-hmm. And Jordan, uh, and again, I was working with a company. Everything was going great. I was. Pa- I was you know youth minister. We said, okay, God, I'm doing everything. And then in February of 92, uh, I was hurrying back from Atlanta. I had been working with a group down there to buy some, I was in sales. And it was Lisa's last appointment at the uh, doctor, you know, that they were going to do an ultrasound, one more ultrasound. And they said, if you, and I'd missed the other appointments, they said, if you want to come, come. So I, I rushed out of Atlanta, made it back. I mean, I just barely made it back. And they were doing the ultrasound, and I'm in there looking, and everything was great. And then all of a sudden the, the lady stopped and, uh, she said, okay, uh, I'm going to go get the doctor and let him take a look at this and just, you know, just take a look. And I, I said, you know, I'm a guy, I mean, I'm sitting, I would never seen an ultrasound done right, before. Right. And I looked over at Lisa and Lisa said, something's wrong. And I said, what are you talking about? Something's wrong. And she just started crying a little bit. And the doctor came in and, uh, began a journey of the next couple of weeks in which we found out my daughter has spina bifida. Hmm. Um, which is an open spine and you could see it. And uh I can remember that night because I hadn't eaten lunch, because I was trying to get back in time and everything, and I was I guess I just got weak. They said, You need a Coke, and I said they gave me a Cocoa, and I just sat down. And that was back before the internet. So we didn't really have any knowledge of what does this mean. And back then, um, you know, that was something that was very it was very I mean, th- nobody even thought she'd live for the most part. So we we went ahead Really interesting point, because it really also confirmed for me that, that God gives life and, and that he has a purpose and a plan. We had a young lady, a lady taught with Lisa. Lisa was teaching school. I uh, started her teaching career at this time. And she came to Lisa and said, well, and Lisa was telling her about, you know, what was going on. She said, well, you have choices. And Lisa says, well, yeah, we're trying to decide if we're going to have the baby in Atlanta. Or we're gonna have... She said, no, no, you have choices. You don't have to do this. And then Lisa looked at her and said, you're talking about my child. Hmm. You know, this isn't a choice. And. So for me, if anybody ever asked about my, you know, why I'm pro-life, it's it's very simple. It's, her name is Jordan, and she is 31 years old. She wow. texts me every day. She works full-time at the hospital in a, in a job as a receptionist. Uh, she still lives with us. She's in a wheelchair. She's never walked. Her first six years of life, we had 30 major surgeries, three of which wow. went over nine hours. Wow. And um, so that sort of, And there's so much more I could talk about there. I'll just leave it sort of at that. It's just God showed himself in an amazing way. Um, But it was that point that our life changed. Uh, I went into the Navy for a a time uh, after she was born. I started as a chaplain, uh, my chaplain training, and stayed there for a few years. And with her surgeries and the church that I was pastoring at the time, because I got my own own church uh, called Chicopee Baptist Church, I had gotten out of the Navy, and that lasted for about uh, six years. Two thousand and one, then two thousand two, I got back in the United States Air Force. In between time, we had two more boys. We had two boys, and that was a difficult decision, Jason, because yeah. the real weird thing about spina bifida is they say it's not hereditary, but yet if you have a child with spina bifida, your odds of getting one go from one in two thousand to one in a hundred, hmm. and so it was. I mean, gut wrenching. Um, to to have another child, then Copeland came. He's our oldest, and he's getting married by the way this September. And then uh, our third child was just God said, "You need another one." <laughs> <And> it was <laughs> like, "Here you go." And um, and so they grew. And then I went back in the military, stayed at Chicopee till '05. And at that point in time, God was moving me again, and it was back to law school. Amazingly, hmm. and I went back to law school at age 38. Got my law degree. While I was in law school, I got elected to the Georgia House of Representatives. And because you didn't have enough law. to
0: do at that point, I guess. No, I was Doug. bored.
1: You know, was, you know, one L year was just, you know, and three small kids. And I was going yeah. home and coaching yeah, football and plenty everything. Plenty of
0: extra time to just be in the legislature. Yeah, I yeah, got that. Studying
1: on the bus, driving to Atlanta. I mean, I, I rode a, I caught a commuter bus from Gainesville to Atlanta and then caught it back, you know, <laughs> uh, just a full life. But it worked. And I I think it was, you know, it's – and after that, uh, I started a law practice, uh, still a chaplain in the Air Force, deployed to Iraq. Here's an interesting one for you and your listeners. In May of 2008, I graduated law school. July of 2008, I took the bar exam. August of 2008, I deployed to Iraq. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) That's the Collins way. I get that. Hey, let's just throw it all in there one time. Uh, Found out I passed the bar on Halloween from Iraq in the middle of a war zone.
0: Well, this is why we love your wife, especially. Yeah,
1: so my God. She is amazing. She is amazing.
0: Yeah, she is is amazing. So um, you're in the military. You have the law practice. You've dipped your toe into politics. At what point did you come home and say, honey, you know what? I think I'm going to run for Congress.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was it. We used to have what we call dinner night at Mama and Daddy's, which was just is not far from where I am sit right now. And uh, it really interesting. The the district uh, was drawn. We had redistricting in 2011, 2012. And I was a member of the legislature. And the district was basically drawn around my home up here in North Georgia and you know, 20 counties up here. And. I didn't. I didn't say this before. Right after Lisa and I first started dating, I actually went to Washington D.C. for four months and was an intern with Congressman Ed Jenkins, who was the one of the lead investigators in the Iran Contra. He was actually the the member. He was actually the member who questioned Ollie North. Um, Wow! So it was pretty cool. He's an old country lawyer, and it got my that sort of to go back a little bit. That got my you know taste for it, and it was really interesting. Um, I always thought I might go back. You know, there's always something that I've thought about doing. But it opened up. We ran, had a tough race, had uh, a couple of really, you know, good opponents. and But it was really hard. We wanted to run off. And then from there on out, uh it was a very Republican district. And that's how I got to Congress. And it was the kids. Jordan was out. It was right at getting out of high school school. Um, and the boys were still, you know, in the middle of it. So it was a, a tough decision because at that time, Jason, as you well know, politics is family affairs now because of all the social media. So that was that was tough on the kids a little bit. They were how old at that point? I want to say, let's see, let's go back to 12.
0: I guess I should ask your wife.
1: Yeah, that would have been a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> they were uh, middle school, high school.
0: Yeah, but um, it is tough. You know, having been through that with my kids in in that that age category. It is tough because you get teachers that say stupid things or, you know, a neighbor or somebody who thinks they're trying to be cute or funny or some people that just mad. I'm, you know, I mean, I remember being at a Chick-fil-A with my daughter and this guy was like off his meds or something because we're just sitting there trying to eat our little chicken sandwich. And this guy just starts laying into me. Like I don't have this, I don't know how old she was at the time, 10 or 11 year old. And she, it really scared her. It really scared her to the point that she didn't like, and I didn't have that happen a lot, but it happened enough that my daughter did not like going out to eat a meal with me. And it's Mm -hmm. just so sad, you know, I kept saying, no, we'll be okay. I can take care of it. You know, (laughs) I'm I'm big, I'm 6'2". I'm, you know, like I can take care of myself, but shouldn't have to deal with that either. And these are the types of things that I think cause good people to say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to run, but... Yeah, but, but
1: no, I agree. I you, agree with you was it
0: forward. a you, you crowded field? Like, I forget what happened in your first race there.
1: The first race was it was not overly crowded. We had about the, the it, it, we had about three. By the time qualifying took place, we ended up with about three people in the race, uh, and. It was split. I had a uh, a talk show host actually down here who had been on radio forever, named Martha Zoller, and she and her kids and my kids were all in school together. We knew each other, and it was—I mean, we were just—it was a normal Republican primary, and um, but we we went to a runoff, and we won in the runoff. Back then, it was only a three-week, you know live and die kind of runoff situation down here in Georgia in the middle of summer. It was, I'll tell you, Jay, I don't know if you ever felt this way. By the time it got to the end of that runoff, I was just ready for it to be over. Yeah. Win or yeah. lose. Let's decide. Yeah. See, it's, just, yeah. <laughs> it's like the old Jerry, the old Jerry comedian, Jerry Clower story, you know, shoot up here amongst us. One of us got to have some relief, you know, it's just, <laughs> that's it's just bad. But a, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. 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 And, but we did, we, and we got through it. So for us, it was, um, and, and that was when it was interesting for people to put a perspective on when I ran for Congress and you were there, Um, This was the fiscal cliff time. This was, uh, you know, we were I'd won the seat, and then y'all were headed into the fiscal cliff, and it was the year at thirteen in which the congress, the previous Congress, adjourned ten minutes before the Congress that I started, the hundred twelfth, I believe it was, actually started. Yeah, and you know because they they still didn't have stuff done, and so coming into that time. I, I, I see so much. I learned so much from back then. And I know today's many in the conservative movement, or in the Republican Party, however you want to put it, they look back on some of those days and some of the people, the speakers and stuff they don't like. But there was a lot going on then that if they just simply change the names, remove the narrative, so to speak, you still see a lot of it today. It's the same stuff. And we're not – this is fifth, 13 years into it, and we've not got it straight yet. But I learned a lot from those folks back then, some of that institutional knowledge uh, when I first came in. It wasn't easy. But, um, you know, going back and forth, I know you did that as well, living in my, you know, my office. And, uh, you know, it, it, I have a lot of admiration for for folks who serve, especially those who want to try and get stuff done. Um, because for all of that out there in life people don't understand what you really give up and you talk about people taking you at, uh, to a restaurant or place like that i've had so many and i know you did as well and, and then you have people actually you know have death threats you know legit yeah. death yeah. threats and it's like okay you know look you really need a life you know um this is you know this is what you know we don't want in our society but it, but it's real
0: you're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Congressman Doug Collins right after this. No, people get a you know, I appreciate the passion. and But when it gets to somebody who's maybe a little off-kilter and can't distinguish right and wrong... We did. I've had three, you know, four different incidents. I think it was where, you know, the FBI or Capitol Hill police had to pay a visit. And one person actually went to jail, um, served time for the death threat well. that he made from us. You know, fortunately, I'm in Utah. He lived in Florida. But still, I mean, it was just unhinged. And you run into that wrong person at the wrong time. And it, it does scare you. It's one of the one of the bad things that's out there, but nevertheless. Um, so you get in, you're serving, but then you very quickly. I mean, look, I became chairman of the oversight committee after three terms. I think it was the, you know, not very many times mm-hmm. that that ever happened. And you, you ascended to become the chair of the judiciary committee. Yep.
1: Ranking about the same, ranking member about the same time yeah. and about the same time frame. Yeah, it was interesting, Jason. because I served with you. I, I, I always felt like later on when I actually yeah ranking member sorry about ranking that. member. You know the ranking member um because I had to go through impeachment and i that was just you know the whole right, right. but you know from a faith perspective it's really interesting because you, you always look at and I always go back to try and you know attach some things to faith you know in in the scripture God always prepares you you know David just didn't go up and start start with goliath he started with the line and that you know he did things beforehand and i came to Congress I feel like in a in a time in which was being uniquely prepared because if you remember at that time we had chairman Issa, you were on oversight you were doing benghazi trey gowdy with you know we're all and we had lois lerner we had the hillary clinton and benghazi stuff um and we had these huge hearings i would go over to for foreign affairs which is another one of my committees my first term and the same stuff was going on over there with hagel and clinton and others and then of course in judiciary we were having you know our, our normal fights and so I began to be prepared for it, but but moving up, but it was different. You did something I think was unique, and I think I tried to look at some of the folks up there and, and did the same thing. It's finding areas and digging into them because you people would be amazed at how many members, and I don't say this without love, but I just say it honestly, they don't dig into much. They they it's go true. day by day, week by week on the calendar. You know, let's hit this. Let's take a YouTube video here. Let's, but without and and I've used it to say that members are bored because they don't have a passion. <laughs> Their offices don't have a passion. Right, right. And we got into it with judiciary, with criminal justice. We did it with music uh, and intellectual property, and, and it gave us something to be up there for.
0: So, when you step back, like I've stepped back. Um, mm-hmm. And you could make some changes, lessons you learned in Congress, that kind of thing. What, what would you, what would be on that list?
1: I think there's several in, institutional kind of things that that have it, you really you would want to change. But I'm also not Pollyanna enough to think that they will. Um, and that is the committees need to be committees. Yeah, um, they've they've, yeah. they've they've lost they've lost that. Um, rarely do you have a subcommittee. It's almost Explain that, though. I,
0: I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But Let somebody who's not there, explain well, yeah. committees should be committees. I mean, I'm
1: not going to argue <laughs> against that. Uh, no. But that what does that bit. mean? Well, most people always grew up, a lot of people grew up with schoolhouse rock. Here's how a bill becomes a law. Right. And the reality is, I think the, the Republicans in the House are trying to get back to this. They're still a long way from it. Um, But committees is where the bill comes, and we have subcommittees off of the main committee. Right. Subcommittees should be where you have a, everybody brings an amendment. Everybody votes it up and down. You talk about it. I was always one that said if you had a bill, like if I introduced a bill or you introduced a bill, that member ought to be there to actually talk about their bill. They couldn't just. And you know, have, shockingly, that does not happen, ladies and gentlemen. No, <laughs> no it doesn't. Uh, in fact, I would be ventured to say that 7 I'm going to be high. OK, I'll just do it. Seventy five percent of the bills introduced by members of Congress, the member of Congress, would know surface details about the bill, but but very little after. Yep. <laughs> uh, they, they could not. You could ask them how many with,
0: pages it was and they would struggle.
1: Yeah. And they, they barely get it. And, and see, and I came from the state house in, in Georgia where we didn't have staff. If you had bills, which right, I, right. I, I was a governor's floor leader, we actually had, I, we redid the whole Hope Scholarship Program. You had to know it because you were the one giving the testimony.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Um, and, and they don't have that doesn't happen anymore. So folks out there just that doesn't happen. But we don't we've now used to it start with a markup and subcommittee and then it would go to a markup in full committee, and then if it passed out of full committee, go to the house, uh to the rules committee to the house floor. Nowadays And we were seeing this when you were there. We saw it a lot when I was there, especially the Democrats. They're bringing bills that nobody's had a chance to really look at. They come to the committee with no real option to amend them. Um, They go to the floor or to go straight to the floor. And so you miss members actually being able to craft uh, the different perspectives that they have. And then. And that's just regular bills. Then you get into appropriations committee, and it's even worse. <laughs> All right, with that, we're going to save for another
0: podcast because we could do a whole blowout oh, yeah, just that, on that. I here, he, here's here's the point that I totally concur with you about that. I guess I want people to understand there is a quote unquote regular order where a bill comes up, people can offer yep. amendments, you vote it up, you vote it down. But what happens is these continuing resolutions or an omnibus is such yep. that. Everything's thrown into one big pot and you get one up or down vote, even though there's like a thousand plus pages on hundreds of different topics, never almost never do you get a hey, this is a one topic issue. And we're gonna have one vote on it. It's like it never works out that way. All right, I want to. I'm gonna leave it there. Be just the essence of the time. There's like only, only like so much space on the internet. So um, <laughs> what I want to do it. is transition. And I I think everybody's understanding. Doug's one of the people that actually dives into policy and yeah. understands policy and is passionate and patriotic about it. I, I appreciate you sharing the stories about your your family and those little things that happen in life that end up changing the trajectory of your life. And sometimes it's the hardest things in life that make the best things in life. And, you know, I, my guess is we go out and talk to everybody. Everybody's got this same story. It may not be spina bifida. It may not be an accident like we had to with my son-in-law. Mm-hmm. It may not be, you know, it may be drugs. It may be a financial problem, maybe an addiction problem, maybe, you can't get through life without having to go through some of these hardships. And it, hopefully it makes you a better person. And I know it's made you and your wife and your family a, a better person and and just a lovely family. And I've it's just been a thrill to get to know you. But with all that said, Doug Collins, I have to ask you some rapid questions. And I don't know that you've been to enough seminary to actually get through these questions. Okay, I'm just warning you. It kind of goes like that, okay? So, are you ready? Okay,
1: let's hear it. Let's All hear
0: it. right, first concert you ever attended?
1: Um, it was the uh, Romantics and Six Flags.
0: Wow! All right, haven't had that before. That's good. What was your high school? <laughs> what was your high school mascot? Trojans. The because there were a lot of Trojans in Georgia back in the day. No I get that. Yeah. <laughs> and and what colors were you? Green and white. The green and white Trojans. There you go. Yeah. Um. If you could invite, like you said to your wife, Jordan, everybody, and you said, Hey, guess what, uh, family? We got somebody special coming over. And you could pick anybody in history, dead or alive, anybody, to come over, break bread with the Collins family, who would you invite?
1: Outside of faith, it'd be, uh, I think, Teddy Roosevelt. I, and why? I, I just fascinated by his life story. He um, does.
0: It, what a truly remarkable human being. And yep. changed the trajectory of the country. I mean really it did.
1: did. And, and did especially for the out west, you know, because yeah. I, I the more older I've gotten, the more I will love to hunt and be outside. His balance of conservatism and, and outdoorsmanship would be one that it's just it's 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 a model. Yeah. Um Doing
0: it. He did. He loved the outdoors. He loved America and, yep. you know, travel and communication was a little bit different back when he was there, <laughs> but the guy was a true hunter too. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. Fishing or hunting? Which one? Ooh, that's I a tough on, one because <laughs> yeah, you know, I most on, like, people that do one, they do the other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I do both. I, I really can't say I, I do both. So what's that
0: other thing for Doug Collins? It, and I, what I mean by that is if you want to get out, clear your head, just be away from everything, just forget about all the challenges of the world. What's that one thing that you do? For me, as an example, I like doing wildlife photography. You get out, mm-hmm. I'm chasing some big, you know, a moose, and I, I have forgotten about the world. I forgotten about my phone, and I love it. It clears my brain. What, what yep. do you, what's that for you?
1: Uh, it, it, this may sound funny a little bit, and I love to golf. I love to pun. I love to do all those things. I love to go with my bride to the beach and everything. But the thing that gets me is put me in a room with a book.
0: Well, you know, I have a new book out. It's called The Puppeteers. Yeah,
1: and say <laughs> we didn't even plan that. You know, I just no, you know, so, but no. It's a book. You get bonus and, points and, for that, Doug. Yeah. you fell yeah. into that one. I get it. Well, I know it. I know it. But but it's a book, and it, and and not necessarily always the. For me, if I really just want to. It's a it's a Tom Clancy book. It's something right. that is it's cotton candy. I read it, but yet my mind is in the book, and it's not you know worrying about my phone as you said or doing anything else. So for me, it would be it would be a book.
0: Oh, that's good. Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Yes. We were on such a roll.
1: <laughs> I love- mean, but it was, it was I, I didn't up until recently. My wife started putting it on this ham and, and I said, Well, it ain't bad. I didn't I mean,
0: say anything about ham. I'm talking about wet pineapples. <laughs> You're not in Hawaii. You're in the mountains okay, of Georgia. Come on.
1: come on. Give me a break. Me a break. Uh-huh. Well,
0: all right. We'll it's let it an slide, an slide because your player. military service will let that one slide. But yeah, there you go. that was definitely <laughs> the wrong answer. We need to work with you on that one. All right. Last question for you. Uh, best advice you ever got.
1: Uh, always know why a fence was put up before you move it. <laughs> That's interesting. That's a good one. I like that one. I hadn't heard yeah. that before. Yeah, I had an old deacon tell me that one time. I was in a deacon's meeting, and here I was, a 29-, 30-year-old preacher. Uh-huh. And I had an older church, and the deacons were 60-, 70-, 80-years-old. And we were looking to change something. I can't even remember what it was now. We were changing a service time. We were doing something. And something was said, and then this gentleman who was a who was supportive, and somebody had asked a question about, well, what had we done before? And I had made an offhanded <laughs> comment about something. Well, it doesn't matter. Oh. and. <laughs> and, yeah, you stepped not, not on on that thing. one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I ended up, and he made that comment, and 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 I have used it so many times, Jason, uh, over the years, because what he was saying was it it's okay to change, but realize what you're changing was there was is just to possibly thought of as a great decision when it was made, as you're making right now, and there could be a reason, and you know. You know, I think that's we, we miss that sometimes. It doesn't mean change doesn't need to happen. In fact, a lot of times it does. But if you've, you know, fenced off something and there was a, the reason they did it was because a bull was in there one time, you don't <laughs> want to be moving that fence.
0: That's
1: right. And that's got to right. know the heartbeat.
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's a good one. I really do appreciate that. You only got one wrong answer and we'll work well, with you on yeah. that. You, you, otherwise, you scored really well on the test today. <laughs> Doug Collins. Former congressman from Georgia and just all around good patriotic person and honored pleasure to know you and interact with you. And Thanks for joining us on the Jason and the House podcast.
1: Jason, yes, it's always good to be with you, my friend. Take care.
0: Well, I cannot thank Doug Collins enough for sharing his story. Um, you can tell he, he's got a passion and love for the country and, uh, and first and foremost, his family. Um, and I appreciate him opening up and and telling us a little bit about his family and some of the trials that they've been going through. I think it inspires a lot of people. Whoa, is he an amazing guy taking on an innumerable numbers of tasks and doing things and accomplishing things? Uh, it really is truly uh, amazing. Hats off to him, and and he's just a good friend. So I appreciate him joining us on the Jason in the House podcast. Hope you can rate this uh, podcast. You could use your help there. Let's uh, rate this thing. I would appreciate it. And I want to remind people that they can subscribe to it. You can listen ad-free with a a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Thanks for listening to the Jason in the House podcast. We'll be back with somebody new and exciting next week. You can also go over to foxnewspodcast.com for others. Please rate it, review it, subscribe to it. And we'll see you next week. I'm Jason Chaffetz. This has been Jason in the House.